Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I mean, when you think about for every million dollars of property that you own, you have an opportunity to get 6 to 10% of that purchase price in the first year of ownership after tax. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. It's a great day to be alive and to invest in real estate. How are you doing, my friend? My name is V Koo, and you are now listening to my show, The Real Estate Lab Podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful, wonderful time listening to my podcast. And I hope I have been able to serve you in your journey so far. I want to share with you a little bit about a recent mastermind retreat that I have been to. Um, it's a mastermind called Accelerated Mastermind hosted by Michael Zeller. Now, if you don't know what a mastermind is, you're missing out. Mastermind groups offer a combination of things, brainstorming, education, peer accountability, and support in a group setting where you are sharpening each other's business and personal skill. So I want to share with you something that I've learned at that weekend. And one thing I learned from Jeff Goins, he's a best-selling author of five books, including The Art of Work and Real Artists Don't Starve. And the one thing I liked from that book was that, hey, it's time to stop being an apprentice. You can go out and crush it in this world. Do the best you can with what you have. You know enough already. You can go out and crush it. And I want to do a shout out to my friend, Christian Boss. This is a lady that can really, really impact your life. You need to check her out. Go to www.christianboss.com and it's K-R-I-S-T-E-N. What Christian did for me at that weekend was really, really powerful. She helped me see the road ahead of where I need to go. And she actually took me behind the scene and uh, shared with me where she was just a few short months ago. And seeing the massive success that she has been able to do both in her personal life, business life, and for her clients that was just eye-opening to me so definitely definitely go check out her website all right let's turn it over to our guest for today okay our guest today is an expert in the area of cost segregation and tangible property regulation she helps commercial building owners increase their cash flow and tax benefit in this episode our guest and i took a deep dive into tangible property regulation and as well as real estate professional, what does it mean to have that um, election on your tax form and claim that you are a real estate professional? Why does it matter? Now, a lot of people actually talk about real estate professional, but they don't know what that means and they don't have the knowledge that our guest does. Our guest today is Bonnie K. Bonnie is a nationally recognized expert on marketing. She's on boards of directors for both profit 
and nonprofit companies. She's also a published author and a serial entrepreneur. I am sure you will get a lot of value out of today's episode. Okay, now let's just dive into our episode with Bonnie K. Hey, welcome back to the Real Estate Lab podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I have Bonnie Kate here with us. Thank you for your time, Bonnie. Oh, you're quite welcome. It's a pleasure to be on. It's terrific. And I really appreciate you taking the time multiple times now. I mean, multiple attempts that we uh, tried to do this podcast uh, sessions today. Bonnie, I know you're an animal lover and uh, you have a lot of cause that you donate to. What's What's the most favorite one that you have? Oh my, it's um my my favorite cause is probably um a, a very unusual one. Um it's it's called Days for Girls. Um it's about menstrual cycles and a lot of countries they have no access to preparations or anything, you know, feminine hygiene products for little girls. And so they have to miss school as a result. So Days for Girls has people who sew across the country or donate and they actually make reusable disposable feminine napkin products which allows these girls to go to school and it's also a cause for eliminating uh, female genital mutilation it's a, a very important cause to me because i believe that women you know from years ago we didn't get the opportunities in education as as they do now. And in other countries, third world countries, they're even less likely to be able to go to school. And this really restricts them. Um, so by, by having this charity available, um, it eliminates that problem for the girls and they can go to school. And thank you so much for bringing that up. I just want to give you the opportunity to share. I know that this is a cause that you ask everyone to donate to. Yes, I do. And um, so for you that's listening, if you are interested in finding out uh, more information, uh, just go to daysforgirls.org. Today's topic, um, let's bring it back to real estate and okay. uh, the real purpose of why we have you here. Yes. Um, so you and I, we spoke a little bit about um, something that I don't have a, an understanding about and I don't even know what it is. Uh, and that is tangible property right regulation. Right. Could you tell us why should we care and um, kind of talk about the history of it and what it is? Sure. Um, tangible property regulations, commonly known as TPRs, were put in place in 2014. And at, at that time, um, and since then, you're able to separate the items that are in a, a property that are tangible versus structural and depreciate off those tangible properties, property items earlier. You can actually go back with the tangible property regulations and we can review properties as far back as 1986. And a lot of things in the past that were capitalized now can be expensed. That is a big, big deal. And it's not an optional thing. It's something that every single CPA and tax professional should be doing. But it's a challenge. The regulations are over 5,000 pages long. And the average CPA or tax professional 
does not focus on commercial real estate. That's not their primary focus. It's doing taxes. It's it's accounting work. So they're not going to study 5,000 pages of regulations in this one area alone just so they can be up to date with commercial properties. Unfortunately, there's a lot of money that's available as far as um, writing it off as an expense that isn't being leveraged as a result. We've had properties that were purchased, one of them in particular was purchased like in 1993. And over the and it was purchased for like $1.6 million. Over the years, they put in so many modifications and upgrades in the property that when we we went in and did a cost seg, including tangible property, look at it, tangible property regulation update, we were able to find more tax benefits than what they originally paid for the property. And that's because they made a lot of improvements to that property over the years. And a lot of it was capitalized and now can be expensed. But if no one looks at this, they don't look at the depreciation schedules, you don't get that advantage. It doesn't happen. So is tangible property right regulation um, something that you do as a part uh, at the same time with a cost segregation study uh, or is it a separate thing that you have to do? Either way, we do it as part of a comprehensive uh, cost segregation study. Not all companies do. In case you just did the cost sex study and now you realize that, hey, there's something out there called um, TPR. So do you then go back and say, hey, could you go ahead and, and do this again? Make sure I still, you know, to see if I still have any back uh, tax benefits and, and stuff to write off? Well, when um, when we do it, it's comprehensive. I mean, we, we get the depreciation schedule if it's an existing building so that we can update all of that. If it's a new building, um, then that's different. A new building, when we do the cost segregation, we're going in and we're doing an actual site survey and our engineers and construction experts at the home office can separate what's tangible property versus what's structural on that building and then assign the numbers to what's on that building and the building systems, by the way. We're very comprehensive. It's a lot more detailed than most companies do. Um, and what, what that ends up being is it makes tax filing in future years easier for the tax professional because they not only have, okay, what is the current value of this property or this particular item, um, whether it be a HVAC system, or if it's the window coverings, or it's the carpet on the floor. Okay, they know what the what the uh, cost is now, what that value is now, but they also see what the replacement value is, and the replacement value is what's critical, because if you have, let's say for example, you have a multifamily property or big apartment complex, and it has three HVAC systems on it. If you replace one of those HVAC systems and it is less than a third or 35% actually of the replacement value for all of them, 
then you can actually expense that. It no longer has to be capitalized, which it did in the past. Can you give us um, like a real life example of something that you have done recently relating to this? Well, like I said, every single property gets this done for us. If it's a property that's been owned for a long time, then we can do strictly an update on the depreciation schedule because it may not be worth doing a full cost segregation study on the property. Maybe one was already done years ago. Right now, because of the tangible property regulations, we can go in and review the depreciation schedule and bring it up to date without amending, going back and amending all those tax returns. Got it. Got it. Okay. I, I understand now. So the point that we should pay attention to this is that when you go back and review your um, cost segregation study or um, you do an update in your case that you just mentioned about, the benefit is that you can now actually say it was an expense and you don't have to capitalize it. So let's say I'm an investor. You know, why should I care or how do I use this now benefit? in my tax. What tax status do I have to be? What things do I have to tell my tax professional that, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this? How do I capitalize on, on all these benefits? Well, if it's an existing property, all I need to get you an estimate within about one to three days is a depreciation schedule. That usually gives me everything I need to know. Now, if the depreciation schedule is for 2018, and you're doing taxes for 2019, and you've done a lot of work in the meantime, then we need an update as to what you've done since that last uh, depreciation schedule was done, since your last tax filing. You know, what have you done since then? Because a lot of the things that you may have done since that last filing could be either capital expenses or capital items, or they could be items that we can expense. So I would need to know that. So let's say we've had a, a very large building here in town that I did. And it um, um, they had a lot of tenant finish work. It was very complex. They totally renovated that property. So what we needed from them was documentation of all the work that was done. Copies of receipts, invoices uh, from all the contractors that they used in that process. And that helped us determine, okay, which of these items can we expense? Which items can we can, do we have to have as a capitalized item over 39 years in this case? Oh, because it's a strictly commercial building, not a residential? Right. This one was a commercial. If it's a large residential complex, then obviously we're looking at 27 and a half years for rental real estate of, you know, like a, a residential rental or an apartment complex. Those are different. Bring it back to the tax benefit. Let's say you have done all of this, right? Now you have done your cost segregation study. You have your TRP done. I understand that you have to be a real estate professional in order to use these expenses to offset your active income. So can you share a little bit about real estate professional and you know what it is, how do you qualify? Okay. Um, actually, you don't have to be a real estate professional to be able to utilize cost segregation or take advantage of the tangible property regulations. It just means that passive income 
has to be, or passive losses can only be used against passive income. That's the difference. Right. So I'm trying to picture, let's say I have a friend that's, you know, working like 13, 14 hours a day, sometimes 24 on, 24 off. Oh my. And she's a doctor, right? So, and someone, you know, with, with that kind of schedule, you make a lot of money. Yes, you do. Actively, you make a lot of money. Yes. And there are ways around of the tax regulations for them. This is why I'm I'm trying to bring it back to the real estate professional status and how could we use this to offset the active income because when you have a lot of losses, you know, it's passive loss. You cannot do anything against it. Um you know, if you don't make a lot of money on on the income side. But hey, on your active work, you know, your W2 jobs, you want to write that off so you don't have to pay Uncle Sam as much. That's right. <laughs> hey, that, let's uh, let's go back to the start of um, of this real estate state professional category here. Um, I can tell you that when the IRS audits you, ninety five percent of the cases get overturned. That's pretty high, and it's because it's not being used properly. So if you want to reduce your risk or eliminate your risk of getting audited, well, I'm not sure you can ever eliminate it, but, <laughs> but, but we've been in business almost 20 years and we've never had a study overturned or, or gotten audited. So, um, you know, it, you've got to do things right. And that doesn't mean software online. It doesn't work. Okay. okay. Um, 95% failing the IRS audits means that this is a complex issue because most of those people still have their tax professionals they're working with, but the majority of them don't know how to leverage these either. So it's really important that they're understood and you're working with somebody who understands the real estate professional category. Now, I have several tax attorneys and CPAs that are up to date because we do CPEs to help them understand how to leverage this, okay? Um, I am not a CPA and I'm not a tax professional, so I'm not giving tax advice. Let me just clarify that here, okay? But as we, as we had talked about, passive losses can only be used against passive income. And there are three exceptions to that rule, okay? One is your disposition or sale of that property then it becomes active because you can use it. Two is rental real estate losses up to $25,000 if your adjusted gross income is less than $100,000. If it's over $150,000, there's no offset. But in both cases, you must also have a 10% or more ownership interest and active participation. So it means you're actually working that property, not in a material participation way, but active participation. Maybe you're just keeping the books or you're, you know, you, you're interfacing with the, 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 the management company that, that's working the property. The third is a real estate professional category. 
that is the one that makes passive losses into so that you can use it to offset passive income. So it ends up being passive and active income. I'm sorry about that. So one of those ways is you mentioned a doctor. This is a key, one of the key areas here. He doesn't have to be a real estate professional. Okay. This is a, a little bit different here. If a real, if a doctor buys a building and he operates his practice out of it or a dentist, someone that actually has a practice in that building or even a manufacturing facility in the building. If they do what's called grouping, the first year they buy that property, okay, this is different than real estate professional category. They don't need it. They can group that property with their practice and both become active. So that's one way of doing this. Does that mean they bought the whole, um, let's say, the whole office, medical office building? Not necessarily, okay? They would still get maybe a portion of that. But you really need to talk to a tax attorney when that happens or get somebody who's really knowledgeable about this to be able to leverage it properly. But it can only be done in that first year. That's the tricky part. So if they wait a year, it, the the building becomes passive. Okay, okay, got it. It can't be active then. And um, so being a real estate professional, getting back to that, um, the benefits are there. There are no law, no limits on how much loss you can take. Um, the adjusted gross income, there are no limits. There doesn't matter what you're making. But there are three hurdles to overcome. One of those is you you um, must qualify as a real estate professional. You must materially participate in each rental activity. And you have to meet both of those cate- those qualifications. So being a real estate professional and material participation in each rental activity. So the qualifications, because this gets more and more complex, okay? Qualifications, one is it has to, you have to be in a real property trader business. So it would be something like real estate development, redevelopment, construction, reconstruction, into acquisition, conversion of properties, rental activity that's not passive, property management, leasing, brokerage activity. So real estate brokers have a real opportunity, okay? but not mortgage brokers, does not work for mortgage brokers. Okay, That's not considered a real property trader business. Now, material participation is a key word here because I, I remember the, the second one I mentioned is you must materially participate in each rental activity. So, so can you explain that in, yes. in depth a little more? <laughs> yes. Um, it's not just about financial participation. So just because you bought a building and you're doing some financial stuff or planning does not ju- that does not meet the qualification of material participation. And each year you have to check on the tax return for each property property that it's material your a material participation in that property has been met. Material participation is about day-to-day working in that property. 
answering telephone calls, going out to the property. It could be even working on the plumbing or the landscaping, whatever it is, you're materially day-to-day -day participating in that activity, checking with tenants, uh, you know, whatever you're doing in that. It has to be a day-to-day -day operation. It's not only the material participation. Let's say you have five properties that are all rental properties. Okay. Okay. Let's say that, that you, um, materially participate in four of those, but not the fifth one. Okay. The fifth one, you really don't have to do much. You're not spending a lot of time with. So if you have a loss on that property, um, if you're not materially participating, you can't take that as active. It has to be for each one. Now there's a, there's a way to get around that, but this has to be done and it only needs to be done once. And that is Seg, uh, it's called election to aggregate or group the rentals as a single activity. This is what's done by you and your tax professional. And you accomplish that by attaching a written statement to your original return. And that's required. So you must put it on the original return. Then thereafter, that group of properties remains active. Okay, so how about in a situation where you are a limited partner in a syndication? You have your own rentals, right? So right. you know you're active in those. But when you're a limited partner in a syndication and someone is passing the, the expenses, the loss to you, mm -hmm. um, can you group that into your normal activity and claim it as active? No. No, as a limited partner in a in a uh, syndication like that, that passive um, loss can only go against passive income because you are not materi materially participating in that property. Remember that goes back to what I said originally. Not only do you have right. to qualify as a real estate professional, but you have to materially participate in each rental activity. That's day-to-day -day operation. As a limited partner, you're not participating in day-to-day -day operations. How about in the situation where you are managing the asset manager? I'm sorry, you're managing the property manager. So you are the asset manager. You talk to them maybe once a week, once a month, depends on how you run your business. Um, would that consider still? I mean, you have other activities that you do for in that uh, partnership, you are the asset manager and you talk to the property manager, not, you know, frequently, but not on a day to day basis. Are you being paid? Um, you have partnership, you have percentage in the GP. Okay. But if you're being paid with a W-2, you, it's, it's not likely you'll pass the smell test with the IRS. But if you don't, but if, if you're not getting paid. Okay. So if you are actually managing the property and day-to-day -day operations of that property, then it, it you may you'll probably be able to do that. Um, but usually it's for the general partners or managing partners of those those uh, multifamily properties or syndicated properties. They they have a better they're very likely actually to be able to claim. Um, real estate professional category. I know this stuff can get pretty complex and 
and I have a, a tax attorney that, um, that I'll, I, you know, I work with a lot of her clients and, um, you know, this is, this is kind of a specialty of hers. So, um, you know, it, it really takes, it gets more complex from here, not less. Okay. So <clears throat> the, the next thing, there are other, um, qualifications too. You're a real estate professional if, and you need, there are four categories here and you must meet all of them. To be a real estate professional, there are four categories or four qualifications that are very critical in this process as well. Not only material participation, and that is there's a 50% rule. So half of your time must be in real estate. And that means 500 hours of material participation in any tax year. That's, if you think about that, that's 42 hours a month. So if you have a full-time job, and you try to claim that you're a real estate professional, um, I think the IRS would have something to say about that. So just want to cl uh, clarify something here. You said 500 hours, not 750? Okay, 750 comes next. <laughs> okay. So the 50% rule is half your time in real estate, and that means 500 hours material participation in a tax year. Okay, the second rule is 750 hour rule. That means that it's in any trade or business, in real property trade or business. So if you're married, you might have your spouse take on the category of real estate professional because you can't add the hours together. And if you're working full time and trying to claim you're a real estate professional, it's going to get, it's going to trigger. A W-2 submitted along with a category of real estate professional flashes red lights for the IRS. So 750 hours means 63 hours a month. You can't work a full-time job and do that much. But the difference between that 500 hours and the 750 is that the 500 hours has to be material participation, where the 750 means you could be a real estate broker and 750 hours is, you know, it's pretty easy to make because you're in that business and 500 hours can be used toward your real estate practices. Uh, I mean, your own properties uh, at 42 hours a month. And then you've got your real estate work, you know, trader business, and it could be construction or development or anything like that. You know, it doesn't have to be all 750 material participation. Third requirement for a real estate professional is that 5% of the ownership of the property you have to have or more is required. So even if you're paid as an employee of some other business, 5% um, or more of the property that you're claiming as real estate professional has you have to own it five percent of the property that property ownership yes so five percent ownership or more required if you're paid as an employee of a of, of a company or a business okay um and number four is contemporaneous daily time logs that is very critical 
I can't overestimate how important this is because that's what they look for to deny you. If you you go back, you say, well, look, I, you know, I had this much in, you know, I had this much in gas mileage and I visited the property this many times. I'm going to go back and estimate, oh, let's see, January, I probably, you know, had this many hours and no, they know. You have to be able to document daily logs. It's like that nasty activity that we hate doing as people who are taking mileage deductions for IRS. It has to be contemporaneous. So starting mileage, ending mileage, that kind of detail and the date. That's why there are tools now that allow you just, you know, turn on the GPS on your phone. Just when you start driving, just keep on logging it, you know? <laughs> yes. And I've tried that. And darned if I don't stop at the grocery store and forget about it. <laughs> so, oh, so, uh, you know, then, then you go, oh, darn, now I've got to go back and edit that thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it you know but there, it's really a benefit though to have that if you're conscientious but you've got to be very detail oriented if you want to stay clean as a real estate professional okay the other another little point i want to put out put out here is that if you're a real estate professional it does not automatically make your passive income or loss active it's a year-by-year -year material participation that's required. Every year, you have to put in that much time, active material participation on each property or the group of property, as we had talked about. There are more in-depth um, issues with this. Um, I would refer people and their tax professionals to the IRS publication 925, and it's titled Passive Activity and At-Risk Rules. You want to see pages five and six of that in particular. And if you're a real estate professional and you don't want to go to your tax attorney yet or your CPA or whatever, get online and look up the IRS publication 925 and go to pages five and six. It's going to be very detailed and it's going to give you a lot of information. Uh, but it's going to be worth it for you to at least look that over. So when you do visit with your CPA or your tax attorney, um, you have an understanding of what they're discussing with you. Now, uh, for the listener, if you are interested in finding out more information about real estate tax professional, definitely go back to the IRS publication that Bonnie just referred to, or you can... Uh, talk to your CPA, your tax professional. And if you're interested in learning about tangible property right regulation, um, cost segregation study, definitely, definitely contact Bonnie. Um, she works for cost segregation services and the company's website is www.cssiservices.com. And you can get a hold of Bonnie at 720-504-5776. And Bonnie, before we end the show, let me just ask you one last question. What are you most curious about right now? Why more people aren't doing this. I mean, when you think about for every million dollars of property that you own, 
you have an opportunity to get six to 10% of that purchase price in the first year of ownership after tax. That's 60 to 80, 60 to $100,000 on a million dollar property. Why wouldn't you do this? Because people don't know. And that's why they have to tune in to uh, podcasts like this and listen to professional like yourself. That's right, V. And you're doing a service to anybody who listens to your podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Bonnie. Thank you, V. That's the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a five stars rating and review on iTunes for the Real Estate Lab podcast. Until next time, have a prolific week.